Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back. We're live at Supex, the Startup Expo, with John Fitz, the founder and CEO at Fairfax Intel. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have you finally. We've known each other for a few years now, and excited yeah. to have you on the show. And I think what you guys are doing is actually really interesting. Thank you. But Thank you. maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start sure. off with where you grew up. Sure. Um, we grew up moving around a bit. All right. Um, uh, probably lived in uh, five or six different states. Very cool. Growing up. Sure. Uh, I was born in Nashville. Okay. And at one point lived in Birmingham, Alabama, and then from there, Birmingham, Michigan. So interesting. Uh, a drastic change sure. of culture. Sure. So walk me through. You went to university. What did you take and why? And then into you kind of your career up until Fairfax. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I graduated Georgia State. Okay. In Atlanta and. Um, I studied communications at the time. Okay. Um, probably because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Okay, interesting. Uh, yep. So um, I was always very curious. Uh, I grew up with a musical background. Okay. Um, and I thought I would go into production. Okay. Uh, what I realized is I liked the mechanics of how things work. Sure. Uh, so a curious mind kind of went from music and started evolving into software. Sure. And it just took off from there. Very cool. So. Walk me through your career, maybe some highlights along the way, because sure. you spent a lot of time in corporate America, which is interesting. Yep. Uh, I did some stints for startups uh, during the technology boom. Sure. Um, and background in some channel sales, uh, all technology driven. Uh, and then after the, the bust, the tech bust, I went into corporate America, pretty large market distributors, okay. wholesale distribution. Very cool. Uh, it is low margin, high volume business models. Sure. So there wasn't a lot of risk taking okay. during that process, but uh, they were sitting on tons and tons of data. Sure. And these are large companies, two and a half billion up to about 20 billion. Wow. Um, I built analytics teams to start uh, taking a look at performance areas that the companies had not seen, at okay. least in an automated way. Sure. Um, these companies tended to grow through acquisition. Okay. Which meant they probably hadn't bolted on the operating systems fluidly. Yeah, interesting. So a lot of our early day work was trying to rationalize data across multiple systems. Sure. And trying to do it fast enough to answer the business questions as fast as they were coming. Interesting. Which was even more complex when the companies were publicly traded. Sure. Earnings calls could be a fire drill to rationalize data and answer questions quickly. Sure. Well, and trying to corral that data from yeah. many different sources. <laughs> yeah. And so those early days in wholesale distribution, um, I learned not only rationalization of data. Um, at one point, we were pulling data across 26 different operating systems and trying to rationalize. Wow. Um, and using very large teradata, data warehouses and microstrategy on top to see it. Okay. But um, it was tremendous heavy lifting. Sure. Technologies haven't, hadn't evolved enough yet. Right. Um, and then uh, we learned multi or out, I, I, uh, 
multiple sources of data from the outside were needed to bring into the okay. internal data, especially when it related to merger and acquisition, sure. uh, understanding a broader market sure. environment and what the trends were before we made bets on acquisitions. Sure. And I got a real big education uh, through that phase of my career right. on how to bring data together from internal sure. and external sources. Sure. So what made you decide to go start Fairfax Intel? So all of the issues we were chasing, all of the riddles we were solving with analytic tools that were available to us at enterprise level, sure. it occurred to me that those exact same pains were being felt down to small and mid-sized businesses. Sure. Um, the cultural difference is a lot of the enterprise environments tended to be protective of right. what they had. Okay. Um, and a lot of those environments um, tried to build the answers internally. Sure. What I recognized on the small to mid market environment, these guys needed help. They needed sure. help quickly, and sure. they didn't have large budgets to do it. So the big change from my early career to when I started Fairfax, the technology and the tools that are, were available sure. made everything possible down at a small to mid size business level. Interesting. So how did you start Fairfax Intel? Did you self-fund? Did you bootstrap? Or did you end up raising some money? Or walk us through that. Uh, sure. So leap of faith out of okay. my pocket. Wow. Um, so I, I financed the start. I had an idea. Okay. Uh, most of my money was probably spent on uh, buying time. Sure. To prove capability, I okay. had to build an awful lot of prototypes out of my pocket to prove the ideas were capable of delivering value. Sure. And you taught yourself how to code. Oh, I had to learn a little bit of that. I'm not. I'm not a coder. Sure. But. Um, uh, you got to do what you got to do, right? Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, learned what I could. And um, because I w uh, I'm a curious guy, I like to learn. And sure. so that just fed into it. I was learning new skills and new capabilities. Um, and trying to bring all of that together as a value prop to a small business or mid-sized business was really the challenge. So I spent a lot of my money sure. to build prototypes that could prove it. Interesting. Um, you can't ask somebody to jump into a, a relationship with you with a solution if you can't prove it works. Sure. So how did you get those first customers? Um, I got to know their pains first. Okay. Um, I spent most of my career in between IT and business. Right. Okay. Um, Interesting. I, uh, in the latter part of my career, I managed P&Ls for 15 years, so okay. I understood what needed to be measured and why. Okay. Uh, the value of metrics and the, the need for it. Sure. Um, and the gap in between the business units and the IT guys is tremendous. Yeah. And so I realized that I have lived my career in between both. I understand sure. the business needs. I could also talk enough tech to be dangerous. Sure. Or at least enough to get people to help. No, that's awesome. Um, so the way I started it was finding the partners who could help on both sides. I had business dialogue with owners that were having problems. Sure. I have never met a business that didn't have all of their that didn't have a problem somewhere within their data. Sure. No one solved the riddle yeah. completely. Interesting. Okay, so how do you actually work with a company to kind of get their data into the system, and then how do they actually interact with the data in your system? Sure. So in short, we're a managed analytics firm. We take ownership of the analytics okay. for the client to eliminate the need for them to chase spreadsheets. Right. The way the relationship starts is I'm usually talking to an owner or a position of a business okay. authority who has a problem. They sure. aren't seeing something fast enough. They're not okay. seeing sales performance, margin. They're not 
they're flying blind. Okay. And it's a huge manual effort for them to pull this stuff together. Sure. If so, they do it at all. If they do it at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's usually multi-source. If they're living their lives in one e-commerce platform, they're great. Life's great. Yeah. But Typically, most companies are having a, a sales platform feed, an inventory platform feed, a finance platform feed. Um, bringing that together is what provides the value prop. And it's all based on some problem that they're having right now. Sure. And I have found it's a business conversation. Um, sure. And usually somebody is calling uh, with an urgent question. Sure. And then they need the data to prove Quickly. it. Yeah, like now. Yeah, like okay. now. So they basically can just log in and say, okay, here. Exactly. Okay. And they're going to get their answer using Fairfax. They're going to get their answer in two clicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, nice. I do not profess to be the subject matter expert of my client's business. Sure. They are. Sure. But we're adept at rationalizing multi-source data and rendering it in an easy and actionable way. Nice. So that business people can get the answer they need while they're on the phone or while they need to pull the trigger. Sure. So how long does it roughly take to get, like if I new customer sign up today, how long does it roughly take me to get my data in? I'm sure it's different depending on how many data sources sure. they need to chase, but yeah. how quickly can I get onboarded? So um, what we have found over the past two and a half years is most needs are going to fall into a functional bucket. You got okay. a, a sales issue, sure. a, a margin or profitability issue, inventory, whatever that may be. And because we have already developed those apps for other clients, we got some form of a template right. ready okay. to go. Okay. That accelerates our ability to get a client live and operating. Sure. Uh, typically, we get clients with one application they need an answer for right. uh, up and running in 30 days or less. Okay, so it's very quick. It's extremely quick, yeah. and part of that process is to understand where's the data coming from and what sure. needs to happen with it. That's a business dialogue yeah. with a little bit of technical help to understand what the definitions of their data. Sure. Well, and then the other thing, too, is I'm assuming that, sure, they, they get a sale, their sales data in, and then they're like, wow, that's quick. Like, they probably end up putting in all their data from all their different verticals. And then you can build them like kind of like an ultimate dashboard. I, and that's probably a terrible term for it, but, but you know what I mean. But that's what it is. Yeah, sure. And um, most of my clients, being small to mid-sized companies, didn't think ahead to say, great, let's have a uniform environment for all our right, data. Right, right, right. And quite honestly, they're not going to take the time or money to try to re-engineer re all of that. Sure. So um, once we turn the light bulb on with a, yeah. a, a great solution, they immediately call back and say, awesome, now we need to tackle the issue in this area sure. and then this area. Um, for us, we're simply expanding the data feeds okay. from the client or the client's partners and making sure we're building a dynamic application, a sure. dashboard sure. that they can get the answer within two clicks. So I'm assuming that unless they're stuck kind of just in a spreadsheet or you can probably automatically pull it. like. The data just keeps pulling from the sources automatically, and they don't have to keep constantly importing. I get yeah. like maybe some the odd time, but for the most part, they just for the most get part yeah. that is exactly the idea. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, sure. Inevitably, we're humans. Yeah, yeah. We we can make mistakes. Sure. Uh, and sometimes platforms have different changes within data feeds. We account for all of that. Sure. So over time. Our clients can migrate from one platform to another, sure. and they don't lose any of the history data that we've already built. That's actually really powerful, because you worry about all the integrations. Because yep. internally, they probably don't have the time, the money, or the budget, or even the know-how in a lot of cases to say, like, we need to integrate with these companies to pull the data, right? Correct. And then if they do change the API or something, then they got to recode the whole thing or parts Correct. of it anyway, right? So no, it, for you guys to handle that, it's a huge cost savings for them. It's a huge cost savings. What we 
what we're doing for them is yeah. eliminating the manual data chase. Sure. Freeing up the resources that we're spending their time doing that to focus on growth and execution, which is sure. core to their business. Sure. We're the guys who will take the headache of the data wrangling right. and produce actionable dashboards so that they don't have to go chase the data. Sure. And then how do you guys, do you commercialize the data? Do you let them commercialize the data? Or how does data commercialization work? So what tends to happen, at least from what we're seeing, is we help the client first with their internal okay. issues. Okay, first, what is the reality of our sales on a daily basis? Sure. Or inventory or finance or HR? Sure. Um, once we help the client get a view of their internal capability and operation, we then focus on looking beyond their four walls. Okay. And that's where the game changes. Sure. Um, first, you got to understand what the reality is with your business. Sure, makes but sense. Once you got that, the opportunities that are out there typically aren't just inside your four walls. Yes, yeah. you need the data inside to improve operations, but then we start looking beyond the four walls, and it happens in two ways. One, we source external data okay. to layer on top of our clients' data to point out market opportunities that Interesting. they may not see. And so the, the riddle isn't answered just with your internal data. There's a ton that's available out there sure. in, in data sourcing. That and it's getting better. Picture. Every day, really. It, it, it's an expanding world yeah. because data is expanding exponentially. Sure. So the other part of that outside the four walls uh, process is our customers turn on their lights in the morning. They're generating data. Sure. And they're using that data typically to improve their internal performance. Sure. The byproduct of that is that they still have that data. Yeah. That data represents a view of their business that no one else can see. Sure. They have an asset in that data. Right. Their view is valuable to someone. Sure. So the way that the concept of data commercialization is evolving right now is first within their own supply chain. Okay. Yeah. So yes, they're harnessing their data. They finally have it organized. They can finally see what's happening. Yeah. That view, not giving away customer data, not giving away anything proprietary, but things like consumption patterns. Sure. Location, geographic consumption. Yeah. Things that are indicative of market can now be shared with your supply chain. Yeah, interesting. What would you do with that? Well, since it's value, you have the liberty to share it with your trading partners and ask for something in return, like additional discount points on purchases. Sure. Or perhaps even expanding your, your payables. So yeah, I want to extend my payment terms. I want to extend it by 30 days. If 30 days equals 1% as a financial factor, now we see a financial return of using that data with trading partners. Um, and the interesting part about the concept of data commercialization right now is there's no standard approach or best practice about this. It is happening in a hundred different ways in a hundred different companies and they're experimenting. Sure. Um, so you got one division taking their data and trying to monetize it, another yeah. division doing the same. It is though a strategy that needs to come together holistically sure. for a company. Well, and then they can take the data they learn about internally probably add more value to their clients as well. They're like, this is, we need to maybe scale up this side or downsize this a little bit or go after these new markets, like you said, with more data, right? So you're basically adding more value to them and their customers, especially if they can charge more or get new business from their customers based on the data, correct? That is 100% okay. correct. And, and um, to dovetail off that thought, sure. when our clients are finally harnessing their data and seeing the performance in reality. It's not just their performance, but sure. they're seeing their partner's performance. 
that rising tide lifts all boats. Sure. And they can share that if they can make their suppliers better suppliers. Right. If yeah. they can make their customers better customers, the revenue flow lifts everybody. Totally. Yeah, that's interesting, right? It even becomes yeah. an opportunity for internal benchmarking. Sure. My best customers look like this. Sure. How do we help you raise your game to be able to execute in these levels? Sure. Same thing with vendors, vendor scorecarding. Yeah. If we know that the best vendors do these following things, we now have the data to prove where you are yeah. compared to our benchmark. So how can we help you improve your performance with delivering full-time shipments, first shipment? Sure. Whatever the metric may be. Well, and then you can also, once you have those profiles, you can say, we need more clients like X or more vendors like X, right? Correct. Yeah, which is really powerful. Which is beginning to build your target demographic of who sure. you want to do business with, both on the supply side as well as the demand side on customers. Sure, because you're taking what, the guesswork out of it, right? You're taking the guesswork, yeah. but you're, and you're also going through the exercise to define what is our best? What is the target? Yeah, because you might our, not know, right? And most companies don't yeah. have the data to know that. Interesting. They feel, and I'll give you a great example sure. that comes up all the time. I'll ask a client who their best vendors are. Okay. They'll typically respond based on the volume of purchases from that vendor that they do. Oh, okay. We buy a ton from this vendor. Okay. Volume doesn't necessarily equate to value. Sure. So when we start layering a performance metrics relative to equalizing all of those vendors despite volume, sure. you start to see the issues rise to the top. Yeah. And it typically means that you're giving up a, a ton of opportunity because volume-based pricing is getting you lured in but the service may not be there to back up your discounts. You may actually sure. be spending more money repairing those issues than the discount provides on volume. Sure. Data reveals all of that. Yeah, that's actually really quite fascinating. So where do you kind of take this? Because you could go a lot of angles now that you have all this data, right? And I get you don't share it across like customers, but you can basically move into a bunch of other verticals, correct? That's absolutely correct, and um, since we do not profess to be the subject matter experts of all of the verticals, we sure. are a horizontal solution. Okay. We can service multiple industries. The domain knowledge of those industries is either typically held by our client, sure, where we're enabling them to execute on their expertise. We're just taking the headache of the data off their shoulders. Sure. The which other, is a huge headache. Which is a huge headache, yeah. and it's non-core to their, their yeah, business. Yeah. Sure. They want to spend their capital on core. So the other side, though, are trusted advisors. Since we're not domain experts within those individual verticals, there are trusted advisors who already are. They're providing sure. guidance, support, and steering for their clients within yeah. those verticals. Interesting. I'm not going to be a subject matter expert in pharma, but sure. there's an awful lot of players out there who are experts in the world of pharma, but they don't have these technical solutions ready and able to pop in and go. Sure. We can enable that as well. well the other thing, too, is even getting that stuff built inside of those big companies takes them years just because right. of the whole approval process, right? Where if they can do it in 30 days or less, they're never going to build a solution like that, right? right. Like, so it's, it's a, a no-brainer for those big companies. Well, for anybody, really. It, it's anybody, really. But yeah. the reason Fairfax has chosen to focus on small to mid-sized clients is exactly that issue. Yeah. The small to mid-sized clients have the opportunity to be agile enough yeah. To make the changes and begin leveraging that data to gain yeah. market share. Sure. And it's going to probably be the expense of the more mature companies. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Which could actually make them more acquirable too, absolutely. right? By some of those, maybe their competitors, right? The bigger yeah. competitors. Yeah, which, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, interesting. 
So I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into, you have all this data now that you're, you have for over the last few years now. What kind of stuff have you found in the data that's maybe you didn't think you'd find in, in data? Because there's so many interesting things, I think, that come out of it. You're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Do you have any of those? Um, yeah, we do. And um, you know, one of the interesting things about being here at SoupX is we're talking to a lot of startups sure. who have great ideas, and they're digitally native. They're yeah. starting right now, and data's coming out immediately, right? Sure. It's like um, fr almost from day one, right? From day yeah. one, they, they start operating. They're generating data. And today, it may not be large in volume. Sure. What I'm watching happen is the older, more established companies are trying to grab history data as fast as ah, they can, but they may have moved past it. Or never collected it? Or never collected yeah. it and never rationalized it. And so it's a huge effort to go backwards. Sure. But these small guys coming out now are able to harness that data. And if they put data as a strategic asset within their business plan, yeah. it's going to pay dividends down the road. Sure. So your question to me about what surprised you, sure, how companies didn't pay attention to data, surprised me. Yeah, okay. Because once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Rebuilding the history becomes problematic, especially after merger and acquisition transactions. Yeah. When it's gone, it's gone. Um, the other thing that surprised me, though, coming out doing this is the volume of data that is now commercially available outside sure. of my client's internal data. Um, there is an entire exploding world out there of data brokering sure. that's taking place, and it can be a very tricky and interesting environment. Um, sure. There is a lot of data available out there, but just because you can get it doesn't mean you should. Sure. And so part of our process is to understand where data is originating from. It's sure. got a, a, a clean trail, yeah. uh, an ownership process that can be validated and verified sure. to make sure at the end of the day, our clients are legally protected, sure. have a clean ownership chain of that data, and can market according to where they want to go with, with uh, free of any legal liability. Yeah, no, and then sometimes you need to clean the data before you import it too, right? Yeah, that's 100%. Um, and so I've been shocked at the volume of data that's available. No, that, ma that makes a lot of sense. But we're kind of coming to the end, so let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention. Sure. Uh, hit our website, uh, fairfaxintel.com. We do, in fact, put a presentation up, a little bit overview about our company and what we do. Very cool. Um, it's probably the best place to go. Sure. Well, John, thanks again for doing this, and we'll keep in touch because we have, and uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, I man. appreciate okay. it. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.